G'day and welcome back to the My Peak Podcast, home of holistic development. Very excited to have you back today for another episode. Today we have a very special guest, but Brown Dog, how are you traveling? Good, thank you, Cameron. Yeah, very exciting episode today. We, we've we been uh, on the roll with some professional athletes. Now, you could say we've got someone in the professional realm today, Riley Kingsall is our guest today, and uh, we're super excited to jump in the mind of a current My Peak athlete who is getting closer to the peak of his game. Riley, how you doing, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Thank you for having me. Well, this is very exciting because we had Riley on the podcast when My Peak first kicked off, and he run us through a few things that he was doing in his game, but today we have him back, and he's achieved a lot of things between now and that podcast. Do you want to just run through everyone what you've done between now and then, including a bit of a national championships in there, Riley? Um, well, I suppose since then I... Obviously played my first Nationals Carnival, um, debuted in first grade, had my first game, which was good, good experience, um, and currently in the 19s squad, so it's been a good couple of years. Where'd you play your first grade debut? Uh, North Sydney Oval, so it's probably not a very nice place to play the first one. Run us through it, mate. What's it like walking out onto North Sydney Oval number one for your debut? How did you go and how did you find first grade in comparison to some of the levels you've played you've obviously played a national championship now you're training with the new south wales academy during the week so you're obviously exposed to professional environments but how did our first grade uh, sort of match up to those other um, areas of your development oh i think first grade for me was a good sort of insight into what that next step into professional cricket's like it's um a very competitive competition in new south wales so it was good to be exposed to that at a pretty young age and like I said, to do that on North Sydney Oval was probably a dream come true because you see first-class games get played there all the time and it was a nice experience walking out there and sort of feeling like this is what it could be like in a few years. So it was good, um, a good challenge too against some of those experienced players. How many runs did you get on your debut? Oh, only 30-odd. Only 30-odd, I'd take that on debut. And how did you end up getting oh, out? More than that too. So wasn't it thirty? Wasn't it forty-eight or something? <laughs> no, I wish that would have been nice, but I got out. I don't think I don't think I was out, but um, <laughs> I chopped on to a <laughs> chopped on and I wasn't out. No, I reckon it's missed the so You gotta check the footage. Talk us, talk us through how you think you're not out after you've chopped on. Well, so I've inside edged it, but it looks like on the footage that it hasn't clipped the leg stump. The bale has gone forward. So I reckon keeper's the, the keeper's done a bit of a yeah. cheeky one there and pushed it forward. That's fair enough. Yeah, so Riley, Juggs did touch on the last episode we filmed with you was actually post your last Green Shield season. So the amount of things <laughs> that has happened in that two years has been quite remarkable. Do you want to sort of talk us through maybe what it was like playing in your first national championships? Like... First of all, it was your first introduction into a squad, let alone a team. What was it like training that pre-season and what do you think got you across the line to essentially end up opening at your first national carnival? Well, I think um, it was different. It was, again, that environment was a lot more competitive to anything I've ever been in before. And you're surrounded by the best in your age group in the state. So something I've never, never ever experienced before. And it was... Um, it was good. It was a good challenge every day to sort of rock up and not be the best anymore. You've got to work twice as hard to sort of get there again. And I think having that sort of chip on your shoulder, like coming from, 
you know, Camden, no one really knows what that is. All these city boys, like, where's Camden? Mm. <laughs> it was it was good to go in and just sort of see what I needed to do to get to the next level. Um, and all the training at, at Cricket Central and, you know, you're facing the best bowlers in your age group, it pushes you and it pushes you to a place where you do improve every single session and every day. So it was it was good. It was good, ultimately. And, and the first Nationals Carnival was, was tough. It was um, a good experience enjoyed it but it was tough yeah before you go into that which we will get to i want to unpack that in a little bit more detail so talk us through how the national carnival few sort of started and um maybe tell us you know what happened day one what happened day two and then we'll slowly move into the back end of the tournament so first day we've rocked up to the ground i'm feeling pretty excited (laughs) very nervous but i was really excited to actually be there and be in new south wales colors um Open the stick. It was a bit of a dodgy wicket. We've um, bowled first. And I've gone out there, and I think around the 40th over, I've started to feel pretty sick. And I've, you know, I've tried to call the get off. And, you know, the Kempi and Clarky are like, no, nah, mate, you got to stay on. You're a batter. Like, what are you doing? You're soft. And I was like, righto. And um, I've come off the field. And as I'm coming off the field, I catch a lot of vomit in my mouth. And I run straight to the bathroom and sort of unload there. And um, I thought... I thought that might be a one-off thing, maybe just the nerves. And I, I told Clarky and Kempi, I'm good to go. Like, there's no way I'm not going out to the, there to bat today. And gone out there and got a decent start, um, pretty challenging wicket. And then I think around the 10th over, you know, I've, I've said to the umpire, oh, I'm not feeling too good here and take the lid off. And, you know, my friends have sent this video to me a thousand times <laughs> and just spew all over the ground <laughs> on the corner of the square and physio comes on and, you know, and it was one of those things where it's like, there's no way I'm coming off the field. Like, I've got New South Wales badge on my chest. Like, you've got to, I've got to be dead for you to pull me off the field, basically. <laughs> and um, kept batting, kept batting, and eventually got out, missed a straight one, and, you know, threw up four or five more times before we left. And, you know, it was one of the hardest days of my life because it was just, I felt like absolute dog poo. But, and then the next day I've been rested, so I wasn't allowed to play. I remember you rang me pretty much straight. Um, away when you got back to the hotel. We were in Dubbo, actually, Cam. And um, Riley goes, mate, I'm done. I don't know what to do. Should I play tomorrow? I'm super sick. Food poisoning. And it was one of those things, like, as a coach, where you obviously want to be able to give advice, where, you know, we want you to be able to, you know, be tough and work through it. But it was like, we need to make sure that you're 100% come back end of the tournament because you guys were always going to be in the mix. How did it feel when you, you know, obviously lack of preparation has probably given you the food poisoning there how did it feel when you had to cop one on the chin and, and actually have a rest not for any other reason other than you know something that was probably in your control in terms of how you're preparing with your nutrition well i suppose a bit of backstory there we've rocked up the tassie and first night we're sort of finding what we should eat and someone's great idea was to have dominoes <laughs> now i'm not sure if it was the dominoes but i did also have some dodgy airport sushi so it could be both of those things so it probably wasn't the best again decision making for me but it's sort of heartbreaking because you know you've worked for so long to get to this point and now you're told you can't play for something that you've done and it's just it, it hurt that day where i was sitting on the sidelines sucked you know george bailey's rocked up and you're like, oh, I wish I was out there and he could see me, you know, pick me on the next tour. <laughs> but, you know, it sucked. And I couldn't even run drinks because they, they were worried that it might have been um, a bug. So I literally <coughs> just had to sit there and watch and it, it sucked. It wasn't the, wasn't the best. So what sucked more, sitting on the sideline that day or what happened the next day? 
Well, next day was rest day, so that was good. <laughs> um, but the next round, yeah, that was tough as well. So going out there, super, super windy, um, South Australia, got the long sleeve on for the first time. I'm going, you know, this will be good, finally back. And this kid bowling probably 80 k's an hour, Meadows, first over. He's bowled a hooping out swing and I've just completely missed it, straight in front of middle. I reckon it was swinging outside off, but umpire didn't think so. It's a you, common theme here. You told me it was missing leg last week and now it's missing off. And, and Golden Duck first came back, so that, that also hurt. Where was your mindset there? Obviously, you spoke about how disappointed you were that you missed a game and then had to get rested because of your... Uh, preparation and then when you finally get back into the team you get a first baller and then you probably have to field for 50 overs in the dirt as well what was your process that night perhaps back at the hotel and then in the lead up to the fourth game the following day um i won't lie i think at that point after the game i thought that's my tournament over um it wasn't the best place to be and i was um again disappointed you know you build to this carnival and you know you've just missed a game now you got a golden so I've scored 20 runs for the tournament. I'm averaging like five. And you just go, Jesus, mate, this could be my last chance. And we had NT the next day who aren't notorious for being the strongest. And I think I did call um, Jordan again that night too um, about writing stuff down and just sort of having a game plan written down to go into the game with. And that sort of helped to sort of see things, make it physical and... While I didn't go too good against NT either, still got a start, um, I wasn't sort of, my tournament wasn't on the line in my head, if that makes sense. I was sort of, again, happy to be there. Like I did just get flown out to Tasmania to play cricket for New South Wales, sort of put it into perspective again. And um, it was good. I think it's sort of writing stuff down is something I still do now and it, it really helped me, so... Well, that's that's awesome because you're right. I reckon for a, probably 95 to even 99% of cricketers, come day three after what's happened to you, their tournament probably is over. So it is a testament to you at that time to be able to turn your tournament around. Do you want to just touch on what happened a couple of days later in that tournament? So it was actually good. Um, I got surprised with my dad. He got flown down by some of our mates to come watch our semi-final against WA and one of my mates there was, to, uh, was there too and... Um, I suppose it was just a freedom I hadn't had for the, the tournament, that game. It was like, you know, dad's here, bit of, like, felt comfortable again, was able to talk to him before a game and um, went in with that freedom. And it, it was sort of a, a challenge again. Everyone had talked WA up to be the best bowling side in the comp. And to be fair to them, they did have some very, very good bowlers. But that challenge ultimately pushed me to play my best and, you know, sort of that mentality of, like, bring it on and, I don't care how fast you bowl. Like I'm gonna, I'm just gonna play my game today, and um, was able to score a hundred that day. So again, sort of, if you put it that way, saved my tournament in a way. Um, very, very happy day. Like something I still remember. Yeah, Jugs touched on it there. Like for what you sort of went through um, in the first three days to be able to, you know, still be able to approach your cricket or or your um, batting innings with the mindset that we had obviously been working towards for a number of year now, years now is such a testimony to you, Riley. And maybe touch on a little bit about, you know, the things that you did in that game that you knew you had to do to be successful. Was it preparation? Was it mentality? You know, was it, um, you know, belief? Where did you sort of go in your mind that allowed you to access those skills that you'd been working so hard on over the last few years? Um, I suppose it was a combination of a few things you touched on. So that night, again, 
wrote down a game plan, just something simple, nothing too technical. It was literally just, you know, playing the V, get yourself in, stuff like that, but having it down. So before going out, I was able to read it and just understand again. And again, that freedom and that mentality of sort of, you know, bring it on, like I've got nothing to lose here, um, helped helped me because everyone, been, again, everyone been talking them up and it just sort of, that made me a bit more hungry, I guess, to do it against WA. Semi-final two and me and Sammy got on a roll at the start and I sort of just didn't look back from there. Sort of once I got in my groove, it was a bit of a, you know, a recurring theme of what happened last year. Once I got in that groove, it was hard to stop me, but it was, um, yeah, a combination of all those things and just sort of, I guess that freedom to play my game and just not really care about the result. It was more like going out there and trusting myself again after the first half of the tournament was really, really freeing. Yeah, that's awesome. Just sort of still touching on the tournament and kind of congressing though, give everyone a sort of a recap on what a national tournament actually looks like for a player. I know I've actually been lucky enough to play and coach at one and they're some of the best weeks of your life. So for a lot of people listening, they probably see these teams picked and they see highlights on Cricket New South Wales pages, whatnot, and they see these elite, you know, youngsters playing against each other. But just touch on like what a, a day or even a couple of days might look like when you're on a national championships uh, tour. So the tournament's broken up into six different rounds. The first four, I guess, are your qualifying rounds and you're in different, uh, different groups or pools, I suppose. And then the last two are like finals days. So the top two from each pool will play an actual semi-final. And then the winner from those will play an actual grand final. Everyone else just has like prelim finals. Um, you get there the day before, have a rest, get set up in the hotel, whatever. And then the next day you play your first one. And uh, I suppose the outlook normally is two games, rest day, two games, rest day, two games. Um, but like, like you touched on Cam, it was probably the best week of my life. You know, you, you're away with all your friends and you get to explore the city wherever you're at. Um, and you get to play cricket every day, like ultimately in these colours was something that I never thought I'd be able to do. And um, it's an opportunity to sort of do more than cricket. Like you get to, I got to explore Tasmania the, the days that I was down there and something I, I never thought I'd go to Tassie, let alone play New South Wales cricket at Tassie. So it's a really good experience. Yeah, cricket will take you places that you'll never get to go. Um, also on that, just, you touched on a few things at the start that you learned kind of for your game day preparation. Did you learn anything about yourself more as a person on tour? Like, obviously, like you said, you're with some of your best mates that are very like-minded. Did you learn anything perhaps like looking after yourself, preparing for a game day, but nights before or recovery after? Is there anything you took away as Riley the person? Um, yeah, so I was really lucky that my roommate, um, Javier, was very similar to me in the fact that we like to prepare well the night before. So we sort of had a normal bedtime, like it was nothing crazy, like 9.30, 10, because we wanted to be good for the next day. And I suppose after the whole um, food poisoning incident, I sort of got my act together with the food preparation too. And um, me and a couple of the boys found this nice place to just did chicken and rice. And I pretty much had chicken and rice for dinner every single night because I knew that was something I could trust. Um, but yeah, I just it was sort of the stuff that I'm not the person either to go out and do stuff after a game. Like I'd rather sort of stay in and recover and just you know have a laugh with everyone at the hotel. Um, I'm sure that'll change eventually when I get older, but <laughs> I know for, especially after the food poisoning, I'd, I'd much rather just stay and 
go to bed at a, at a normal time and then play the next day. Let's fast forward a little bit past the tournament, Riley. You obviously ticked a massive goal in your career, um, making your first squad and, and getting away on your first tour. Uh, what sort of um, is in the forefront of your mind right now? Where are you at? What are you doing? And what does training look like this time of year for you? Um, so pre-season at the moment, um, doing a lot of work with you guys and 19s as well. Um, I suppose we just got out of my first big running block and probably the first big running block I've ever done in my life. Mm. So that's been really fulfilling. Um, at the moment, I suppose it's getting into the best physical condition for the season. Skills are important at this time of year, but it's more about skills, not really game stuff at the moment. So it's about going to the gym, running more, um, just getting that technique sort of right so that in the next block, when we start versing bowlers again, it's more of a game plan type situation. Yeah, you touched on your physical condition there, Riley. Um, maybe just give people a bit of an insight into where you were at sort of three months ago and, and what kind of uh, switch you had to flick to really go to that new level and, and what helped you realize that that was the area of the game you wanted to focus on. Well, I suppose three months ago, I was a bit of a fat bloke. Um, really loved eating. Didn't really love running as much. And it was more of the switch of, I hate being last in anything. And up until that point, I sort of just gave myself excuses to be last, especially with the running. You know, like I've always been a bigger kid. I've always been stronger. But mm. I got to the point where I was like, you know, excuses aren't enough anymore. You've sort of, you're not going to go anywhere if you're just going to make excuses for yourself. So I don't know what flicked. Like I said, that chip on my shoulder something I, I love to have because, you know, you always feel like you're trying to prove yourself or you're just trying to prove someone wrong and started running, sort of built up the Ks. Um, started hitting 15, 20 Ks a week. Um, and it was, and then I started to enjoy it. Like I would actually start to go on runs because I enjoyed running. Yeah. It's really funny you mentioned that Riley, because you're someone who always, you know, maybe without even knowing, tried to dodge the fitness where you can. And you mentioned falling in loving with that running process. What is it like going from someone who, you know, really was, was not motivated at all to push themselves physically to actually falling in love with the exact thing they were trying to, you know, steer clear from? Um, again, I'll use that word fulfilling. You just, even now, like you sort of look in the mirror and you go, you know, I'm starting to actually get to the person I want to be. And even with the fitness, like I'm starting to catch people or go past people I never thought I'd be able to. And you just sort of, it's that sort of pride in yourself. Like, okay, maybe I can do this or maybe I can make that next next level because I have it in me and it's such a mental thing like the big thing I learned about running is it's not really physical like there's a good chance you can do any type of running whenever mm. it's just about how far you're willing to push yourself mentally and like you said maybe even back a while ago I'd subconsciously try and get out of stuff because I just didn't want to do it and now it's almost a point of I want to do it like I know if I do this I'm going to get better as a person as a cricketer and it's stuff that actually becomes enjoyable, like I said. Riley, talk to us about what it's like being a part of the MyPeak program. Cam and I, obviously, on the other side, where we're constantly trying to improve how, uh, what we offer and how we offer it. For someone who's sort of a, one of our older athletes and has sort of gone through the different levels of, you know, when the program began to where it is now, what kind of confidence does the program give you and, and what do you sort of get out of being involved with Cam and I a few days a week? The confidence you gain from the training I do with you guys is in all aspects of cricket. So I might go to academy and get confidence out of my batting or get confidence out of my 
gym. But then I go see you guys and I get confidence out of my game plan. I get confidence out of being confident when I bat. It's such a, and you guys touching it, that holistic stuff. And it's so important, especially for younger cricketers to understand and learn. Like I'm still learning. I wouldn't say I even understand it now. But being in an environment where it's constantly being told to you and you're constantly being taught about it mm. is something that's so important for your, um, I guess, journey as a cricketer. What do you? What would you say in terms of the holistic training that Cam and I preach? What's maybe one area that you're really trying to improve on now um, with the things that we touch on either on the summit series or even down at training on a, on a Friday? I suppose sometimes my focus can lack because you're in that status of being one of the better players there Mm. and having that leadership role again maybe not even um telling but just doing and people sort of follow you in that way um and meditation i suppose i I did get a one for the meditation (laughs) last time so that definitely needs to improve but again i'd probably just say that professional focus around those people Mm. because the people that i train with at my peak i've been friends with for a long time and you can sometimes fall in the trap of taking it too easy and not exactly holding each other accountable when, when you should. Um, and that's something I'm trying to improve on, I guess, being a leader. And not being a leader as in do as I say, but being a leader as in follow me and we'll all improve together. Yeah, that's a that's very good. And touching on your leadership role there, who are a couple of the youngsters that you're seeing down at my peak at the moment? You might be able to give a shout out that you think are doing really well and you think are going to be pretty good cricketers when they you know, grow up and become your age? Well, there's a lot, I'd say all of them, because the fact that they're doing what they're doing at this age is, you know, more than what I've ever had or more than what I know you two boys have ever had. And there's some really good young cricketers there. Like I see Jeffro all the time. He might be the only person that trains more than me at my peak. <laughs> so that's pretty remarkable. Um, Jimmy, Lee, Angad hits the ball so good. I've never seen it in my life before. You know, you've got all these little guys down there that, are just training and they want to be at training and that, and that again that's testament to the environment that you boys create down at my peak where these young kids want to come to training i know there's been times where i've been in environments where oh i've got to go to training today like it's not a good place to be it's just a good environment it's fun it's it's enjoyable it's more than cricket and as someone that come to every saturday morning session riley you got any words for the youngsters out there that Perhaps tell us they're going to come, but they've only been to one or two or maybe haven't come down to a Saturday morning session at the running track. It's so fulfilling. You'll finish the session and it's only half an hour out of your morning. You'll finish the session and feel so good about yourself all day, all week. Like, yeah, I got up on Saturday morning and I did more than everyone else I'm competing with. Like, And I, I guess the pain is temporary. The cold is temporary. Like, You're going to be cold for maybe even five minutes until you actually start running. And then, you know, you're only going to be in pain. The breathing will be hard for half an hour. And then you get to go, you get to go have your breakfast, have your coffee, and you're just happy about yourself for the rest of the day. Yeah, you make great points, Riley. You've, you've really become an athlete um, who started to enjoy the process and, and really commit to that process and, and find the little wins along the way. You're exactly right. It's swinging your feet out of bed and being cold for a few minutes and then all of a sudden you get to be with all your mates, you watch the sun come up, you get your breakfast, you get your coffee and all of a sudden you're actually really enjoying everything that goes along with a Saturday morning session. I guess just to finish the podcast off and um, you know, this is definitely not the last episode we'll, we'll record with you but what does the next three months look for you leading into the season? This has obviously been the best off season you've ever had and one that we've pushed you, you know, relatively hard. 
Um, how are you sort of going to clip up a gear in the next sort of 10, 12 weeks before round one comes around? Um, I suppose that physical condition too, it can always improve. And I don't want to let that sort of fall behind now that the skills is becoming important too. Um, definitely running gym so that by the time the season comes, you know, you're the fittest on the field. You can last 90 overs a day. Like I want to be able to bat a whole day. That's one of my goals. Mm. So stuff like that. And then with the skill side, it's sort of further understanding my game and further understanding how I can impact the game without needing to be someone else, without having to bat like someone else. Like I can bat like myself. That's excellent. And just to finish off with one more question, you've mentioned so many things that are going to happen in your next 10 to 12 weeks, your gymming, your running, your skills element, your focusing, your meditation, all these things that you're going to work really hard on. You know, how how does that sort of mentality work where you know that you can sort of not go on autopilot, but you don't have to put all that pressure on yourself where you've got two or three or sometimes four other coaches that are there to support you? And, you know, how does that sort of make you feel knowing that you've got that trust in your coaches to keep you accountable and just top you up where you need to? It definitely takes so much pressure out of yourself where you're not constantly thinking about your game. So that's a trap I've fallen in before where you think you're the only one that knows what's going on. So I think having the trust in those coaches just gives those extra set of eyes to understand and analyze the problems. And sometimes the problems aren't even that big. Sometimes the problems aren't even problems. You're just thinking it's a problem. So, and this is something I'm still learning. It's all, it's, you know, again, that perfect environment to learn and just understand what's going on with your game. That's outstanding. Thanks for joining us today, Riley. And for all the listeners out there, you can follow Riley for the upcoming season. Hopefully plenty of runs in store and more opportunities at national championships and first grade cricket coming up. But sign us out, Riley. Oh, thanks for having me.